Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know why you're all late. I can't even... What happened to everybody? Hello, welcome. Where's everybody at? Why are y'all late? Where is everybody? Hello, hello, hello. We're ready to go. We're fired up. Your saltwater guide with another great seminar. Thanks everybody on Megaphone, Apple, and and uh, Spotify for joining us today. It's Monday. I hope y'all had a great weekend. I hope you had a phenomenal time out there. The weather was absolutely gorgeous. We're going to talk about fishing on your private boat today and what's going on. And those of you that are late, where you been? I've been waiting for you here for 15 minutes. Thanks for joining us. And those of you on Spotify and Apple and Megaphone, you weren't late. You were here right on time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But we have a really, really good one for you today. Today's podcast is phenomenal. We're bringing in an old friend of mine. We grew up together working on the sport boats, working for Don Brockman. He's going to join us in a little bit. Marty Wakefield, he is a uh, commercial fisherman, yacht captain, sport boat, deckhand extraordinaire. He's been around for a very long time. He's been trying to catch that albacore up north. He's going to have some insight, and he's going to be in town for a few days. So we'll get Marty on the show here in about 15, 20 minutes. He'll join us. And he'll have a lot to talk about, a lot to tell you about what he's seeing out there as far as the water goes and everything else. But this was a pretty spectacular weekend as far as fishing goes. And uh, we always talk about ops and fluorocarbon on Mondays. And today we'll be showing you a little bit about ops and as we go along with the day. So once again, thank you all for joining us today. And this one should be good. I think you guys will get a kick out of this. We're going to talk about fly lining how important it is this time of year. It's going to be all about fly lining for the next few months. Fly lining is when you fish with no weight at all. You're using just a hook tied to the end of your fluorocarbon and your fluorocarbons tied to your, your uh, main line going right onto your reel. No beads, no swivels, no sinkers. As soon as you put anything on besides your hook, you're no longer fly lining. A lot of guys this weekend and, and uh, during the week last week were asking me about how come the same guys always seem to get bit when they're on a sport boat? How come the same guys always seem to get bit when they come with me on my private boat? What are they doing that's different than me? And I was like, well, first of all, they're probably fly lining. They're probably fishing with no weight at all, none. Not a, not a swivel, not a bead, not a sinker. Why do you add all that crap to your line? You add all that crap to your line because you don't know how to cast. That's why you add all that crap to your line. So I'm telling you, most people aren't doing all the things right. That's why they're not successful day in and day out. Over on our website, yoursaltwaterguide.com, I talk about how important everything is and that every single thing matters. You do not want to put anything on your line besides your hook, your piece of fluorocarbon connected to your main line. That's fly lining. As soon as you put a weight on, any kind of weight, I don't care if it's a split shot or it's just a swivel, Dave, just to give me a little bit of better distance in casting. Well, you're no longer fly lining. When you fly line, that bait has to be able to swim as natural as it possibly can. It is super, oh, excuse me, it is super important to make sure that there's nothing attached to your line but the hook, your line, and your reel. And then if you do that perfect and you have the right size hook, here's the hooks you should be carrying from now until the end of this summer. Number two and number four, number two-aught two and four-aught. Number two and number four, number two-aught, number four-aught. 
bronze or black. No more nickel-plated hooks. No more red hooks. No more blue hooks, orange hooks. Black or bronze. Number two, number four. And then a two-aught and a four-aught. Okay? Why? Well, we're going to be using anchovies or sardines mostly for the rest of the year. The water's getting very warm. I know they've been having some squid at Long Beach Bay and some squid over at Catalina, but as the water starts to warm up, that squid's probably going to be harder to get. So we're going to be looking at live bait fishing. Fly line sardines and anchovies are basically what we're going to get. So if we have the anchovies for bait, the size 2 ought, or no, excuse me, the size 2 and the size 4 are the hooks you're going to want to be using. If you're fishing sardines, it's either going to be 4 to 5 inch sardines or it's going to be seven, 6 to 8 inch sardines. The smaller hooks, the number two aughts are going to be for the smaller sardines, and the four aughts are going to be for that bigger sardine. But the color matters like you can't even comprehend. Think about it like this. I've been diving my whole life, and I have never, ever seen a fish swimming around with a big chunk of chrome hanging off his nose. I'm not talking about your lures or your, your trolling lures. or anything. I'm talking about fishing with live bait. Bronze or black hooks, no nickel-plated hooks. You don't want any nickel-plated hooks. Why do we want no nickel-plated hooks? Because the fish can see them. The fish see that nickel-plated hook hanging off the end of their nose. They're not going to bite your bait, okay? That's just the way it is. They're not going to bite your bait. So you got to make sure that you're not using nickel-plated hooks, and you got to make sure you're using the size that the bait is. Those two things matter. Unbelievable, they matter. They, it's one of the most important things. It's one of the most important things is to match the hook to the size of the bait and then to make sure that you're not using any type of weight on there because then you're no longer fly lining. So you want to make sure that you have those two things going for you. Now it's going to be about the bait. When you go over to the bait tank, if you're on a sport boat, the places where they put the live bait that swims around, those are called troughs. On your private boat, you're probably going to use your net. But you're going to look into that bait tank, the troughs, or you're going to look into the net and you're going to look for the bait. You're going to look down and you're going to look for the bait that is the greenest, Bait, it can be a sardine, a mackerel, an anchovy. It's gonna, you want it lime green colored. You want it as green as it can possibly be. That's the bait that's gonna get bit. And it, a lot of times it'll get bit right when you cast it in the water. The minute the bait hits the water, you got a bite. That's because that is the most liveliest bait in the bait tank. So when you throw it in there, it hits the water, it's swimming so fast that it's going to swim, the fish are going to gonna go right after it because of the fact that it's swimming so fast. When it's swimming that fast, that fish has no choice. It's going to jump right in there, right after it as fast as it can, chasing that bait. It's going to be fired up. A lot of times you wouldn't even believe it when your bait hits the water. It's, going, it's swimming so fast, it's pulling line off your reel. It gets bit instantly. It's crazy how fast that you'll get bit. A lot of guys don't even understand. They throw that really hot bait in the water and they're bit so fast they're not even ready for it. From today forward, when you throw your bait in the water, the minute you cast it out there, you, you already know you're going to get a bite because of the fact that you have the right hook, the right line, and the right bait because you spend a little extra time at the bait tank looking for the limest, greenest, bait in the bait tank. So when you do that, you've just increased your chance of catching a fish like you can't even comprehend. You just increase the chance of catching a fish tenfold because you have the right hook, the right line, and the right bait. Line, as far as line goes, that's a, you always want to make sure you have fluorocarbon. Now, I like to use Opsin fluorocarbon. The reason being, it's a clear fluorocarbon. I know a lot of you, oh, I only like to use pink and I only like to use blue. And Well, it takes away 
what fluorocarbon is for. Fluorocarbon is because it's invisible. It doesn't reflect the light on the water. We're using it because it's almost invisible when it hits the water. Now, if we're going to use colored fluorocarbon, I don't know about you, but if I can see it, pink or blue laying there in the water, I guarantee you that fish that's life depends on it is going to see it. This is clear. This is a clear fluorocarbon. It's almost impossible to see. When it hits the water, it is impossible to see. It's clear. That's why I love Opsin. Another really cool thing about the Opsin fluorocarbon is the way it can, connects to the spools with their magnet. They have magnets on them, so the, all the spools hang out just like that. It's pretty clean, pretty cool way to do it. I've never seen it before until I saw the Opsin spools and the way that they do it. And you can stack these up on each other and the magnet makes them stick together. It's a pretty cool deal. You got to go check out Opsin. Go to the, uh, go to their, grab that QR code. I'm going to flash up on the screen here in a minute. And uh, when you're checking out Opsin, gang, you're going to get, by using that QR code, just by entering the store, you're going to get entered into the contest to win a free spool of Opsin fluorocarbon that we give away every Monday. We're giving away a spool today. We're going to give it away in just a few seconds. I'm going to give you away the, the name of the person that won. But you want to have Opsin fluorocarbon connected to your hook because of the fact that it's invisible, it's clear, it's abrasion resistant. There has never been a time where I've been fishing and I caught 10 fish and I said, oh, I wish I didn't have fluorocarbon on my line. But there's many times where I've been fishing and I was like, dang, I wish I would have had some fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon makes your connection to the fish invisible. I'm telling you, this changes everything. Just like the black or the bronze hooks, because when the black or the bronze hook hits the water, it's invisible. Same with the fluorocarbon. Opsin's a great product. It's spooled in America. It's made in, it's made overseas, but it's actually spooled by Greg Brown and his family in their garage. They put it on these spools. These spools are bitching. They're magnetic. Go, it's, you don't even know. Greg Brown, he's a cool dude. You can see everything about him when you're on the website. You're supporting a family. Opsin's family owned right here in are right in Southern California, not here. I'm in Cabo, but check out Opsin. Go to Opsin USA if you're on TikTok or uh, Spotify or Apple or Megaphone. And those of you on Facebook and um, YouTube, you guys can grab that QR code. It's going to get you the uh, free spool of line from Opsin Fluorocarbon. And the name of the person that won the spool of line, he visited the store last week. He didn't even buy a spool of line. I told you, you don't have to buy anything. You just have to go in and visit the store. Put in the code YSWG when you're wandering around, and Ellie will be able to track who you are. And uh, just by entering the store, we know who you are. And uh, today, Gavin Hall, you won the spool of line, buddy. Gavin Hall won the spool of line. That's going to be delivered Right to your house, Gavin, when we're done, just text me your address. You'll get that spool of line. We give away a free spool of line every week, but uh, check that out. And my good friend Marty is struggling hard to try to get on here with us. I can see him over there, but he can't figure out how to turn on the camera. And we had it all set up before. You have to do exactly the same thing you were doing before, Marty. You got to just... Go to that little cog wheel at the bottom there, that little cog wheel, and click on it and turn on your camera because it's probably looking for a GoPro camera. Now you have to turn on your camera. You got to turn on your camera, my man. You got to turn on your camera. Check it out, buddy. You got to turn on your camera. And we'll get Marty on here in a few minutes, but we're still talking about how important it is to bait you got to check, make sure you have the right bait, the most liveliest bait. There he is. He's back. Okay, we'll have him on here in a few minutes. Thanks, Marty. You did it. Look at you. You turned on your camera. You're growing up. Woo! I'm so proud of you. Yay! So look at when you're at the bait tank, and I don't care if you're on your private boat or on your on the sport boat, bait matters. And if you see the guys that fish every day that are out there and they're catching all the fish, 
They're spending, it doesn't look like it, but they're spending a couple extra seconds at the bait tank. They're actually looking in there and they're looking for that one bait that's swimming around that's green. Now, if you're on a sport boat, let's just say you're on the Enterprise with Andy and you're looking at the troughs. That's where the little bait fish are swimming around. And the trough that you keep looking at doesn't have any green ones in it. It has a lot of blue ones, but it doesn't have a green one. Go to one of the other troughs, move around. Also kind of be there when the deck can dump some more bait in the trough. And look, once you identify the green bait from the blue baits, you're gonna, it, a light bulb's gonna go off in your head. Then the last thing, you gotta be able to cast. You got the right hook, you got the right floral carbon, you got the right bait, but you don't know how to cast. So you're pulling off a handful of line and dropping your bait next to the boat. You're not gonna get a bite. You got to be able to cast. If you can't cast, all you have is conventional reels and you can't cast, then you need to get a spinning rod and reel. It's going to make all the difference in the world. The last thing you want to do when you go fishing is practice fishing. You want to kill fish when you go fishing. That's the only reason why we go. I don't buy into this catch, photograph, or release. That's not me. I've never been in that game. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It sounds like a waste of time and energy. The limits have already been set, gang. There's no reason for you to think that you throwing back illegal fish is going to fix the whole world. It's not. You're not going to make the world a better place to live in. You're not going to make fishing life better. The limits have already been set. Scientists have thought about it. And then we took all the science and threw it in the trash. And then we took away our calico bass, sand bass, spotted bay bass on the same day. And we make them all be 14 inches. Now, now we have to kill 14 inches. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But I didn't write the law. So I'm going to kill as many 14 inches as I can. But gang, because you throw back a legal size calico bass, that will not change fishing on the planet Earth. It's just not going to. You throw back a legal barracuda, you're not going to change fishing on the planet Earth. You throw back a marlin, you're not going to change fishing on the planet Earth. I know you want to get that warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. Oh, I threw back a fish. I'm going to make it all better. Well, you're not. It's not going to change anything. And how many people, there's Marley jumping around in the back. He just got done eating his candy. Gang, how many people in your neighborhood or how many friends of yours that know that you go fishing ask you, hey, do you have any extra fish? And you're out there throwing legal fish back. How dare you? Your friends are starving. Don't throw legal fish back. That's crazy. On that note, I'm going to bring in one of my very best friends, one of my pals, one of my longtime buddies who loves to kill fish almost as much as I do. There he is. Marty, welcome to the show, buddy. What's up, Dave? How are you, buddy? Hey, thanks for joining us. That's so cool. I'm not a computer guy by any means, but, you know, I, I'm here. I made yeah, it. you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we're talking about what fly lining and how important it is. Those aspects you heard me talking about, the size of the hook, the type of the, the line, the fluorocarbon, the bronze or black hooks, no chrome. Do you tie chrome plated hooks on? No, no. But you, you when we were little kids, we oh, did. Yeah, that's all we had back then. Oh yeah, the little. I remember fishing for bluefin with number six hooks, little tiny, tiny with pinhead anchovies back in the day, right? Oh uh, yeah. You know, and, and you were talking. You know, it really is a huge deal as we were talking about the bait tank and looking for that bait. That's the night and day. That's your whole deal right there. If you don't have, like you said, you don't have a good bait in, in one hand, well, go or even ask the deck and, hey, can you scoop me up a few, a few more baits in here? So, I, it, you know, it, it's worth taking the time to pick that bait that's going to that's gonna catch a fish. You know, you can it's use a black sardine. It ain't going to work. Yeah, and then you, just grabbing a bait out of the tank and pinning it on and throwing it out there, you're not going to get a bite. No. The one that you can't catch in the bait tank is the one you want. The one then, yeah. Something. Go ahead. That I tell everybody, I can't leave a bait out there for 30 seconds. I got ADD, yeah. gang. So right, right. I grab a bait out of the bait tank. It looks good. It looks good to me. I hook it on. I cast it out there. It hits the water. If it doesn't start taking line off my reel right away, guess what? That's not the bait. Yeah. Right? He's, he's getting wound in, flicked <laughs> off. Another bait's getting put on. I can go through five baits in less than a minute. No problem. Yeah. And, and, and where the, you want to cast where the, where the deckhand's chumming, too. That's another big deal. And it, like you said, if you can't cast a bait, try butt-hooking it and pull a little line out and underhand it. And you know what? A butt-hook bait's going to swim down and away from the boat 99% of the time. 
you know, if, if it swims back to the boat, well, it's a good bait, but you know, rip it off and get another bait, you know? Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big soaker guy either. If you don't get a bite within 30 seconds, you wind it in and try it all again. You know? For years and years, I would stand on the bait tank chumming when I was running the sport boats. And I, yeah. I would say over and over again, gang, you got to change your bait. You got to change your bait. Got you got to change your bait. And I wasn't saying that because I had a whole bunch of extra words. It's because it's the very most important thing. If you look at the guys on the sport boats when you go fishing, those of you that don't have your private boat, those guys that are getting bit every time, they take that extra time at the bait tank, but they do not stand there with a bait out there no. for 20 minutes. No, or hold on to the bait in the bait tank with their hands. That's not going to do you any good. Put it on and throw it out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, since we got you here, and I just want to share a little bit. So, Marty, you've been yeah. in this industry as almost as long as I have. The only reason I've been here longer is because I'm older, but... Yeah. Where did you start at? Let's talk a little bit about who you are and where you came from. I started back after Arch Landing sold out and it was Newport Landing. I started on the, the Southern Cal a half day boat when I was 16 years old. And that was back with uh, Craig Jacob, Beaker, T. Lee, Chris Goble, you know, uh, Chris Eyrig, a lot of old time guys who, who, in Newport there. Corby worked in at Davies Locker there at the time and Brockman was on the sport fisher, which, you know, I worked on the freelance for 13 years with Brockman. And I tell you what, that guy, it wasn't the easiest working for him, but I tell you what, that guy could fish like no other, you know, he was a, a sonar uh, guru that uh, had one of the first sonars on, on sport boats. And Donnie was a hell of a fisherman. He really was. I mean, uh, he's good. You know, he could, he could really, uh, Get you on the fish back in the days where you know get seven eight hundred barracuda on boat you know and and seven eight hundred sand bass in, in a good day you know and uh you know it was uh <clears throat> it was different back then though it was a lot different you know and uh times have changed everybody wants to go catch a big trophy and i get it you know but uh you know that was fun fishing back then and like the overnight trips back when i was a kid guys used to go overnight fishing for calico bass you know if you caught a couple of yellowtail it was a great trip but right, people used to right. catch calico bass and have a great time doing it, you know. And uh, that's kind of, I don't know, it's just things are different now. Everybody wants to, the big hit, and I get it. But, uh, you know, it uh, it's fun fishing. Any kind of fishing, if you're catching, is, is fun for me. And, and you know, we were talking, like, uh, you know, I do commercial fishing most of the time now. I still love, you know, my roots are sport fishing, and I love doing it. <clears throat> and I, I do it as, you know, often as I can, but. Right now, the albacore up north are, are still off the beach a ways. It's starting to get closer, and that's why I'm back down in SoCal for, for a week or two, and, uh, you know, the water's warming up. It's been a weird a weird spring, early summer here. It's uh, a lot of cold water, you know, a lot of cold water. and uh, But it's starting to shape up a little bit, you know, uh, probably head back up, like I said, in a week or two and see, hopefully go get a trip in and, and keep going at it for the rest of the summer there. But... Uh, yeah, no, the sport fishing deal, like I said, I worked on the freelance for 13 years and uh, ran, you know, in between ran some light boats for Brockman there. Uh, you know, it seemed like back then I always picked the wrong air to do it, but, you know, <laughs> that's fishing. Uh, but I've been on a light boat the last three or four years there. We, we uh, it's been some good fishing. We, we made some money there. And then I worked for Joe Barry and on bongos for, God, I don't know how many, a lot of years. And that was fun. You know, that was my type of deal going offshore and going fast, covering a lot of water. And Joe was a great guy. To, one of the best guys I ever worked for was Joe Barian. Really good down to earth guy. You know, he, he, uh, he had a good thing going there on bongos, you know, and they still do. They still got a good operation. You know, uh, Mike Bongle owns the bongos three now and they, they still have the two boat there. And, but, uh, it's a good, you know, it's a good, uh, good operation. I mean, uh, they do a lot of offshore fishing and stuff like that. And that's, that's my right up my alley is the offshore deal. And, uh, you know, uh, guys go offshore fishing. They think that they need to find a big giant pile of birds or they have to do this or that or look for other boat. You know, go out and go fishing. You know, if you see it, you know, don't don't pass nothing up. In my book, when you're offshore fishing, you can't pass nothing up. If you have a question in your mind about it, try it. What's it going to hurt? You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're out there anyway. You might as well give it a shot. You see something floating. If like last year, the Dorado were in heavy. Dude, you could you could you could stop on a, a freaking you know somebody's hat that they left fell off their head in the water you know you get bit you don't know 
You don't know if you don't try it. <clears throat> you know, one turn bird, one turn bird we were talking about earlier, it goes a long, long way. You can get, it could be a hundred tons of fish underneath one bird. It doesn't have to be up foaming with, with 5,000 turn birds on it. Not at all. You know, little things like that go a long way. Uh, you know, I did some off, I did some uh, long range fishing there on the, on the uh, Polaris Supreme for a couple summers with Tommy Rothery, which was another fun deal, you know, uh, Lejos rocks, stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's uh, in, I worked with Mike Bullard on the Pacific Star, which is now the Poseidon. Very nice boat, beautiful boat. Uh, you know, Mike's a great guy. You know, things things happen in our, our lives and, and stuff, you know, changes. But, you know, I, I've been around a lot of good people and a lot of good uh, fishermen. And, uh, you know, it's in your blood. You keep doing it, you know. That's, yeah, you know, but yeah. You jumped out real fast here. We skipped over a lot of stuff. You at Newport Landing back in the day, Tommy Hesketh had it That's down there. And you were Tommy. working on the sport boats, and you were just a young guy working on the sport boats down there. But how fun was it hanging out down there in Newport in those days? It was a totally different world than it is totally. today. Yeah, totally different world. You know, back then Newport Landing and Davies Locker were rivals. <laughs> you know, now it's now they're all one big happy family, which is cool. You know, but <clears throat> back then, like I said, things are things have changed so much from back then. You know, uh, it was just being having the pleasure of working on a sport boat was go, went a long way back then. You know, and it it gets in your blood, and it's you know like some of the best fishermen, like like Craig Jacobs. You know, uh, you know he ran the Thunderbird for years and years. That that guy one of the best fishermen I know, you know, and, and, uh, I started fishing with him and Goble and, uh, T Lee, the, the rest is soul. But, uh, you know, the, those guys, uh, no, you know, it's fun back then. You know, it was, it was, it was different. It was, you know, you know, and I always tell these, these other guys I'd work with, you know, don't, don't think you're better than, than the other guys on the boat, you know, just cause you know how to fish. Some of these people come out once or twice a year, man, show them a good time. Just because, just you know, hook and hand them a fish, dude, that goes a long way. You know, show them how to do it. Don't don't expect them to, to just know. Dude, people don't know. They go out fishing. They they, they, they want to, you know, they don't, they're not pros, you know, but make it a good time for them. They bring a couple kids out. You know, I've had, I used to have guys come out on the boat and they'd, they'd hand them 50 bucks or, you know, hey, make sure my kids have a good time. And I would do it regardless of the tip. Right. You know, that, that, that makes the whole thing. That makes you feel good. When you, you, I remember, here's a little quick story. We had a charter on the freelance. It was the Daiwa Corporation. And there was a few, you know, they brought all these, this light bass gear, brand new pro Daiwa, whatever the Daiwa reels back then. And, and this lady hooked, we had like four tuna. I think, I think Brockman might've been running the boat. We had, no, Goba was. We had four fish on the boat and lady hooks up, goes under the, you know, from the starboard corner, goes midship there and gets hung up on the, on the rudder, I take my boots off, jump over the side, which I don't, I don't suggest anybody doing that. And uh, <clears throat> I'm out in, the, <clears throat> out in the water there, trying to get her line off the rudder, and uh, I couldn't do it. You know, I kept swimming down as far as I could. Then I just told Goble here, hand me the rod, and I pointed the rod straight down, got it off, got it off. Or the lady ends up landing the fish. Oh man, they were stoked. They gave us all brand new rods and reels, and you know, it was a good one of those memories. That, you know, we could sit here and talk fishing memories forever but you know just just little stuff like that and then you know you could sit here and talk forever like that on on on, on special moments in fishing but and there's millions of them you know millions of them and that's the beauty of the, of the sport fishing industry is you go out and, and people you know and just good times and even if you don't catch fish which you know it's fishing there's no guarantee see the comment, see the comment right there what's the biggest fish you caught off the dock oh man so we back in the day we used to catch big bat rays in the harbor when they were squid in the receivers, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. You know, biggest fish I've caught off a dock. There's been quite a few. We used to catch lots of fish in the harbor off the dock. Well, back in those days, we used to fish all night. All night. Twilight would come in. We'd sit there and we'd uh, wide open short sea bass and, and halibut, all kinds of. Back when we had anchovies. It was a great way to grow up as a child down there in the harbor. And oh, yeah. there was no child labor laws back in those days, Marty. No, no. People don't understand. Like you threw out some numbers that are just kind of overwhelming for most people. Would They don't even believe when we tell them 
seven, 800 Barracuda, seven, 800 bass every single day. Every single day. On a three quarter day boat. My buddy, Don Brockman, that we both love very, very much. He taught both of us a lot. He taught me a ton about business besides the fishing, which he's a phenomenal fisherman, but he taught me a ton about business. But I'm telling you that young man, Made a million dollars fishing Barracuda at Catalina. We almost made a million working for him. <laughs> Except we had a horrible problem. <laughs> yeah, right? We'd spend it all when we got back to the dock, too. That was the problem. Yeah, if you had, when Marty and I grew up, if we woke up in the morning with money in our pockets, it would mean we had a terrible night. Wake up. We just go to work still awake. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So crazy, yeah. gang. Crazy. You don't understand. There was no labor law. There was nothing. There was no minimum wage. You went to work on the boats. We never think about this. We never even thought what we were making a day. No, we. You just were. If it so, wasn't for the tips. The daily wages wouldn't have, wouldn't have made it. You wouldn't have survived if you didn't make tips. So that's another thing is always tip the crew, guys. Always tip the crew. That's a huge but, one right there. But if they think back. You like you said something about working on a sport boat as back in those days as kids, man, when you walked around the harbor with your boots on, you just right. felt like you were like a little bit better than the rest of the people walking around. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they were old boots with lots of blood on them. In your oh, shirt. Gosh, yeah. That was always a thing, too. David, you know, a good way to get a good bite the next day is, is put a nice white shirt on that someone gave you the day before. You know, by the time that, you know, you get a good day, there, there ain't a, a white spot left on it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Nothing. You knew you were going to get bit if you had oh, clean you clothes it. on. You knew it. It, it was just inevitable. But, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, you know, the thing is, though, Dave, is nowadays, you know, people don't realize, like, the bluefin fishery now, <clears throat> you know, uh, unbelievable. Dude, unbelievable. These guys who just started fishing seven, eight years ago, this the stuff was non-existent. It would barely make it across the border with, without nets going around it. And it, the stuff that did make it across the border was so skittish you couldn't get near it, you know? Right. right. Yeah, and now it's just everywhere, dude. I mean, the stuff is just everywhere, all the way up to Frisco right now, you know? They're getting it some for Bragg. I mean, just crazy. It, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, it's something that uh, we didn't – we never grew up with. I remember the, the El Nino of uh, – I think it was 83, 84, something like that. Those giant albacore that were Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. 60, 70, 80 pound. Who knows? You know, there were some big fish there. And I, I think I fished with P. I was on with Peterson on the Sport King. And I had one for like an hour and a half. On the, They only eat light line, small hooks. Had him on for an hour and a half. And uh, he chewed me off like 10 feet away. But, yeah, you know, that's fishing. But it was something you'll never forget, you know. Another thing you talked about, because you were throwing so much stuff out there when they were telling about yourself, you ran light boats. A lot of our guys don't understand what that is. There's a lot of people. We got we get about two to 3,000 people watching this thing live every day. What's a light boat? What do you mean? Light boat is so, <clears throat> when you're squid commercial squid fishing, a light boat is a boat that assists <clears throat> the catch, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, a saner. So a light boat will sit in a spot and turn his lights on. Hopefully a decent spot is the, is the way to go. But uh, turn your lights on. And what happens is that saner either get close to you and he can turn his lights on and kind of work a spot together. And then when it's time to make a set, that saner will go dark and he'll set you as I got, you know, pull my anchor up and you, you kind of, as he's person is net up, getting the rings up, which is kind of a lot to, you know, tell people at the time, but what they do is they pull, they pull a purse line in and it closes the net up and you you move the fish into the back of the net or in the in the bag, you know, up closer. Stop. To the, oh, Stop. Stopping. We don't even know what fish you're talking about. We don't know what the hell you mean. Why are the fish coming to the light? What's all that about? Well, they 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 because <laughs> they like the light. <laughs> well, they're, they I guess they say that they're they think it's a. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, it's they are attracted to light. Who is? What's that? What is the squid? Squid. There squid. you go. You we didn't me. know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. All right. Start it. See, I'm, I'm. You gotta fill me in on this stuff, Dave. That's why you're here. I'm trying. Yeah, but uh, light boat deal is it's you know it ain't easy. You're on a boat for sometimes 
weeks at a time, you know, a couple years back, I was at Clemente for like three and a half weeks. And the, the only good thing, the yellows were biting in the Cove every morning. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it, it can be lucrative. It can be a good, a good, uh, good way to make money, but uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. You know, you have to uh, definitely be dedicated to it and, and, and put your time in for sure. There's a lot of, a lot of good uh, operators out there. And then again, there's, there's some not so good operators, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I thank God that I'm a sober man nowadays because I don't think I, I would be able to do what I do now if I wasn't sober. And I, I put a lot of that. <clears throat> I put sobriety, uh, first in my life because uh, that's what's got me to where I'm at today, you know. Well, you and I, we would be having this conversation. We're still breathing, <laughs> right? No, I don't mean to get too far ahead there, Dave. I, I, you know, I'm new to this, so. Yeah, well, that's okay. So, so, gang, what Marty's talking about is he worked on, he's been in this industry his whole life, and he, whatever he can do to try to make a living. So he was running these light boats. They go out to San Clemente, Catalina, wherever, light up the water. And when they light up the water with these big giant, like if you would think about the baseball stadium lights, they light up the water with these giant lights. The squid congregates underneath this giant light. And then they sit there for days. If you get a good spot, like Marty was saying, the person or the company that you're working for, they, the last thing they want you to do is leave. Once you, and it's the weirdest thing because, and Marty will talk more about it in a second, but you can be on this thing all day long and see nothing on your meter. And as soon as it gets dark, exactly. The, he, he, Marty has his giant lights on because you don't turn them on when it gets dark. You already have them on. As soon as it gets dark out of nowhere, we used to say it materializes out of the sand. I don't know as much about it as Marty does. Marty spent, like you said, three weeks, a month at a time staring at the meter, the fish finder, and the water. And all of a sudden, the squid would come tons, tons of it. Just to describe that for me, because guys, there's a lot of people here that have no idea what we're talking about. Well, you know, it's funny, Dave. It's funny you mention that because last summer I was lucky enough to have the only spot at Catalina. And I was the, the boat I ran was there for three months. And like I said, every like just like you were explaining the daytime, you couldn't snag a squid. You, I mean, I was on a nest, but but after it got dark, I mean, this went on for two and a half months, three months. That the every right when it get dark, the fish would move in every night, and and I was on a nest. So the, the guys on my port side, you know, you get an eighth of a mile. That's in squid fishing. Every boat has a radius of one eighth of a mile that they can. That's theirs. Okay. If another boat gets on their line or inside the line, they say get on the radio. Hey, dude, you're a little bit inside my line. You know, in a perfect world, they pull their anchor and they move outside your eighth. You know, you get it on your radar. Anyway. That the guys would go on my port side, my starboard side, they wouldn't catch a pound. And it went like that for, for months this last summer. And, and we didn't have to go to Monterey, which is usually the other summertime place to catch squid. We sat, the, my boat sat at Catalina for, for uh, the boat I ran for three, three months. And uh, it, was, it was all right. We had 350, 400 tons, something like that for the summer, which is, you, can't, you know, not, not gangbusters, but it paid the bills. You know, it, it wasn't bad. Wasn't think about it yeah. for a minute. Think oh, yeah. about this guy. He's sitting on a spot. They don't move the boat at all. Not even a tiny bit. Not okay. Even and as soon as it would get dark, the squid would materialize out of nowhere. Then when it would get light out in the morning, they wouldn't leave on the boat. The boat stays right there on that spot. And then you kind of breezed over 350, 400 tons, gang, tons. Yeah. We're talking tons of squid. Materializes out of thin air. It's the craziest thing. Crazy. And until you've actually done it and seen it, it doesn't make any sense. And we got people driving their cars, listening to us on Spotify right now, Marty. And, and just think about them that have ne they don't know what we're talking about. Just Explain I want to add. I want to add one one quick thing, Dave. Is is it, you know when I say 350, 400 tons of fish, it sounds like oh my god, you guys are raping the ocean. This and that. That ain't the case. Squid only. They only they spawn one time. They come to the lights when they're spawning. They lay their eggs and they're dead in three days. So you might as well 
you might as well capitalize on the on the resource because it's just going to be a wasted resource if you don't put it in the net anyway. You know what I mean? You're feeding the world with this stuff, and and it just dies after it spawns anyway. So, and it it didn't hurt anything. It actually, when they started to commercial fish this squid, it actually made it healthier. It made the ocean healthier because if you think of 350, 400 ton, what that for you and me, that we know that's a small amount of squid in the big world of squid. Oh, yeah. But just let's just say 400 tons of squid dead on the bottom of the ocean. That's right. not good for the ocean. No, it's no. it's toxic down there. So it's actually mopping up the bottom of the ocean, keeping it clean. And like Marty was just saying, they would catch all of it that night that was there. And then the next day, as soon as it was getting dark, yeah, it's coming back, you know. And in the years of you doing this, what was the biggest night you had? Where your saner, the saner comes in and sets Marty. What's the most they caught one night, one boat? Well, well, it was more than one saner. I, okay. I think it, I believe it was at, uh, at Santa Rosa Island or no Santa Cruz Island two years ago. I had a night for like two hundred and forty tons. And one night, one night, one boat lighting no, up the water. No, no, no. Filled up my boat, filled up a couple. Yeah, but under your boat, underneath one yeah. boat. Yeah, one boat. <laughs> one spot, yeah. Which there's guys out there. there. There's some guys that have had seven, 800 ton nights, you know. Okay. Yeah. We so, need you know, to know but that. Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not the, you know, I'm just, I'll take 240 tons any day of the week. <laughs> oh, you absolutely. Know? Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, but it, it, squids a, is a mysterious deal. You know, it's... Uh, you know, it, it like the El Nino years, not a big, not a big fan of the squid is not a big fan of El Nino years. They, they stay out in the deep and spawn. They don't come in shallow because the water's warm. And, and hopefully that isn't the case here because that's usually my wintertime gig is running a light boat. So, and hopefully the albacore uh, cooperate. I've got quite a bit of money invested in a boat up north right now. And uh, I'm hoping it's going to pan out. It will. Right. Right. You know, you just got to put your time in and, and I'll probably be going up there, like I said, in a, a week. You know, it's funny as we're, we're talking about past places I've worked in this and that. I, you remember the old sport boat, the Tracer? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's funny because I was walking up the dock last week and I seen this boat called the Legends. And it was Sean Towbridge bought the old Tracer and is fixing it up for a sport boat up in Owaco. And it's a beautiful beautiful thing man he's done a lot of good work on it and uh he'll be he'll be you know if anybody's up in Owaco uh wanting to go sport fishing here after the end of July he'll be up there give him a holler boat's called the legends and he's a good fisherman him and his son are going to do it and uh Sean's another sober guy which we you know so being sober is a, is a big thing on the water nowadays I mean there's this it's not about uh it's not about you know it's just so I, this is how I have to, to live my life nowadays. I can't do it if I'm not sober. I see a post on here that says, what about Humboldt squid, Marty? Uh, Humboldt squid, well, Dave probably knows. We, we caught them, I don't know how long ago, 10, 12 years ago, right in front of Newport. They were 40, 50-pound, five-foot squid, you know. And they're a, they're a kind of a nasty deal in my book. They're a, they eat everything in the water. They eat each other. You'd be reeling one in, and they would eat each other on the way in. So... Yeah, and these yeah, were 40, 50, 60 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And if you fell over the side, they would eat you. I'm just saying. They would. They would try to. And, Absolutely. Uh, we're going to answer this question for Brian real quick, and then we're going to go into something else that's kind of sure. important right now. What do you think of the squid eggs? What happens to those? Well, they, they, they lay in a big cluster on the bottom. They don't go down in the sand. They just kind of lay, lay on top. They, they all lay them together so it's like a big flower type deal you know big huge cluster of eggs that just lay on the bottom and they just roll around until they roll hatch. around and i guess they hatch real quick they don't they don't take too long to to hatch out you know and they start their their journey again i think it's only they only live about nine months something like that and they do it all again and then and they're gone they die you know they spawn and they die so to harvest them before they die is uh is a good deal you know I think.
Oh, it's an absolutely oh, phenomenal deal. Since that whole commercial squid fishing thing started in California, it's made it super healthy, no matter what anyone yep. says. It's made it a very, very healthy fishery. And it's all, like you said, it's all cycles. cycles. And it's all about temperature of the water. Exactly. And it's all about it's all about whatever the current's doing and the temperature of the water, but there's always squid somewhere. It moves around. It's somewhere. Yeah. It just didn't disappear. It'll come back. It'll go away. It'll come back. It doesn't make any sense. There's plenty of nest out there that no one even located. Oh, there's, there's, you know, the, it's crazy. Cause like last summer, all, all the bluefin they were catching out on the 499 and, and the, the condo, all those, you know, they're loaded with squid, you know, just deep water. There's, you know, there's no high, it's very, I mean, just a lot of it around. You know, nobody knows. That's the thing about this stuff. Nobody knows how much there is or where it's going to show up next, you know? Exactly. So, anyway, yeah. So, gang, we brought Marty on here because of the fact that he's home for a little while and he's going to be at the dock here. But we're going to take advantage of Marty. We are going to take advantage of him while he's here for a couple of weeks, gang. Justin is... Booked up solid. He's got nothing available for this month of July. Marty's going to be here for a week and a half, maybe two weeks. It all depends on this albacore bite. Right. But gang, Marty's been in this industry his whole life. Run the bongos, worked on the bongos, freelance, light boats. He's willing to go for the next few days with anybody that wants him to come with you on your boat. You want to go learn how to fish Catalina? Marty fished Catalina for 30 years every right. single day. Right. Yeah. You want to go learn how to fish Clemente? You want to go learn how to fish this bluefin? You want to learn how to fly the kite? You want to do the whatever you want to do. You ever catch any sea bass, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> Not today, but I have. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you, know, you want to do. You want to go learn how to catch squid at night at Catalina? You want to go see what's going on? You want to go do something crazy? Justin's booked solid. Sonny's booked solid. We have nothing available. Marty just rolled into town, called me yesterday, or I called him on his birthday. Yep. And uh, he's willing to go with you guys on your boat. So look at Marty's going to give his phone number right now. You can call him up. You can shoot the crap with him. You can talk to him. If you don't want to hire him, still talk to him about what's going on and where you should go and what you should do. Marty is the same as me, same as Justin, same as Sonny. When we call the guys that run the boats every day, they actually answer our calls. <laughs> so right. Marty's got inside information from the guys that are doing it every day that you can't get. Call right. Marty. Go ahead yeah. and throw the phone number out there. Let them know. Newport, Long Beach. Wherever. We'll travel. Let's go catch something. 714-296-9474. I'd love to go fishing. Love to go catching. You know, say, anytime. say that number. Slow down. Say it real slow and easy, gang. Listen. 714-296-9474. And gang, getting, getting Marty, getting Justin, getting Sonny to come with you on your boat, even if you think you are the greatest fisherman in the world, it's so cool to get someone to come out that knows how to use your fish finder, that knows how to tune it up, knows how to use it, knows how to tell you that, hey, everything you're doing is right, or maybe everything you're doing isn't right. But to have a professional willing to come with you on your boat and teach you how to do it, that's why we're busy every single day. That's why Justin's busy. That's why Sonny's busy. I'm just blessed that Marty's here. And I know some of you are going to call him up. You want to get out there. and You want to go do it. And if you want to go with someone who knows Newport, like the back of his hand, and you're not going to stop at the fuel dock or anywhere and not 15 people are going to say, Marty! Gary Hill. Gary Hill's a great guy. <laughs> right. And the bait barge. Everybody knows Marty. Marty's been around for a very, very long time. Everyone knows him. And like he said, and I say, we're sober. So you're going to be safe when you have that's us. A huge, that's a huge thing, Dave. It really is. And I, I thank God and, and, and people who are in the program uh, to keep me sober. Cause I, you know, I, I saw a little, there was a little meeting. I mean, I'm not supposed to be have anonymity, but Little meeting up in Waco that was really cool to go to. Seven, eight guys bitching, you know. It's the best. It is. It's Did you hear what Harry just said? Ha! Bullard. Oh, yeah. Bullard's a great guy. I worked with him on the on the Pacific Star for years. Great dude, you know. But, uh, this, you know, B-52 
being sober is a big thing. <laughs> we, all, we all have our demons. Not a lot of that was going on with Mike. I hate to say it. Great guy, but we didn't. We weren't real sober back then. <laughs> Trust me. You know, but uh, I worked with Bullard for quite a long time. Good guy. Yeah, no, he's a great human. We love great Mike. Human being. Yeah. He's a great human. We all have our demons. He's right. a phenomenal human being. So let's just talk a little bit. Let's just get everybody a little wound up, a little bit excited about what's going on right now. Right. So in Long Beach right now, up outside of Long Beach Harbor and the flats and also right. out on the horseshoe, here we go. We haven't seen this fish in a very, very long time. We kind of breezed over it a bit. The barracuda are here, and they're thick. Yep. They're thick. Yep. And they're catching sand bass with it too, you know. And the sand bass, yep. the spawning sand bass are yep. there in the mud. Right. It's that's crazy. It's a good thing to see. It's been a long time. And that's a healthy fishery. And have, right. did you ever do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's some some of the best times, really, catching just, you know, Brockman was the man doing that. We'd, we'd, head, we'd be heading to Catalina, and we'd find the birds, you know, giant, giant, not just a little bird school. I'm talking miles. Barracudas flipping out of the water for miles and miles. And, uh, you know, then that stuff would move into the beach and start spawning and we'd sit there for months, you know, two months. I mean, everybody, we were within a, you know, lined up in the mud, just slaughtering fish, you know, it was fun stuff. It was, it was an amazing fishery, but it's back. It's happening. We haven't seen it for 15 or 20 years and it's right, right now. And it, yep. I don't know for how long it'll last, but gang, you can take, take advantage of it now. Yeah. Take, Take them out on your boat. Go check it out. Go see what it's all about. He knows that area. And then, gang, if you just want to go learn Catalina, like Marty and I were saying earlier, the days that we come with you on your boat are the days you don't want the fish to bite. Right. It doesn't make sense if you think about it. You're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I want to. No, you don't. Because if they bite, when we get over to Catalina – we're only going to learn one spot. You're not going to learn anything. You <laughs> right. want to bounce, bam, 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 bounce up the back right. side of the island, learn all the names of all the spots, learn why. Why is Marty swinging you in here to look at this beach? Why is he swinging right. you over here to look at this kelp line? All those things matter. But if you get over to Catalina and they're biting, you don't learn anything. Now, if you go offshore and you whale on the bluefin on the first breezer you see, then you learn nothing. You want it to be a rough day where it takes 10, 12 hours to get that bite. Right. So you get to see all the different things that he's doing out there with you on your boat. I'm just, yeah. the, the yeah. thing that Justin and the thing that Sonny and, and uh, I've been doing it for so long, I understand. The last thing we want is the fish to bite. Justin and Sonny are starting to learn how important that is that uh, they're guys that are paying you money don't get to learn anything if they bite that first time you drop the anchor. One one anchor drop, and it's right. You didn't learn anything. You want to be able yeah. to go move around, right? Yeah. It, sometimes you know fishing. Sometimes you fish all day, and uh, it's your last spot. I mean, I've had num numerous times. Uh, here's a quick story for you. I had my I was on the bongos too on a little goof off with my kids, and a buddy of mine went over to Catalina. We fished hard all day. I they had to get back to school. For the next day, so I had them set up on the flyer. To, I dropped them off in Avalon, took the flyer back, and I told my buddy, I'm going to try one more, dude, before we go in, because we fished our butts off all day. Went right there at the corner at Catalina on the front side, Seal Rocks, one of my favorite spots, and uh, wind against current. You know, the current's smoking up the island, and the wind's blowing the other direction. I'm like, I was so fed up. I'm like, oh, I'm tired of these sea bass. I put the rod in the rod holder with the white jig of the squid on it. Cause that's the only thing that would make it to the bottom. The current was going so fast and it was just full speed. They came through and bit every bait in the water. <laughs> you know, my kids are going back home on the flyer, but that's fishing, you know? <laughs> yes, it is. You know, yeah. It was, uh, but they understand fishing. I've taken them all, all three of my kids out. My, my oldest son is a commercial fisherman in Dutch Harbor right now. And I was lucky enough to go up there and see my newest grandbaby. Ella Marie, which is awesome, you know, and I, I, I put that all in sobriety too, man. I wouldn't, you know, I, uh, I'm a good grandpa now th this day and age, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it's a good feeling that I can do that, you know? Oh, absolutely. You're a grandpa too. 
Oh yeah, a couple times. Yeah, you're a lot older. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, that's funny. But one thing too that we need to talk about real quick before we wrap this thing up is this offshore thing has got a bunch of people bamboozled because Marty, what you you'll you'll back me up on this thing. Nobody's posting any reports of not catching. Right. You're only seeing the guys that are catching oh, games. Yeah. This oh, yeah. offshore thing is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want all of you beating yourselves up because you're not going out there and setting the world on fire. Marty summed this up a little bit. He spun over it real quick. One little bird. One bird. And it, the thing, the thing, okay, one turn bird, don't pass it up. Go check it out. Throw some bait on that one turn bird or in the general area. And another thing, too, with bluefin tuna, Here's a huge one. Put this in your notepad. It don't matter if it's crystal clear blue water or shit green water that you can't see your hand through. It don't matter. If the bait's there and the tuna are, are close to it don't matter if it's green water, red water, blue water, anything with bluefin tuna. If the bait's there and they want to eat it, they'll be there. So don't ever pass up like you're coming out of Dana Point Harbor or Newport Harbor a couple miles and you see, well, it could be... It, might be this or might be that check it out because it might be what you what you hope it to be many many times guys overshoot fish that are right there past right on the beach you know and uh it don't it doesn't have to be cobalt blue water you catch those things 200 pound fish in green water don't matter exactly but everything but on one say it doesn't matter but on the other side it everything matters and yeah. justin Justin's watching us. Justin's one of our, our guides that works with us, Mark. Right. You haven't met him yet, but he's good. And he was out a month and a half ago and saved the whole day. And it was a long, long day. Right. And he saw one turn bird. Right. And he right. went over there and they threw the Mad Mac in the water and bam, they got 130 something or 140 pound bluefin. Made right. the whole trip, even yeah. though they spent 13 hours catching zero. One turn bird. That's it. That's all it takes. Don't give up, gang. And don't get all wound up because you're not catching. Marty, you fish for a living for a long time. What do we hate? We hate bluefin. <laughs> I hate them. You can see thousands, millions of them, you know, hundreds of tons of them and never get a nibble out of them. You know, maybe you'll snag one in a foamer every once in a while, but some when they don't want to bite, they don't want to bite. It's just out of the form. You know. That's what I used to tell people when they go, Dave, why do you use 200-pound braid? And why do you use 130 Makaira? And why do you use 48 pounds of drag? And why do you not take it out of the rod holder? Because I hate them. I absolutely yes. hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Yeah. Hate them. Yeah. And if it bites my line, it needs to die. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not, I'm not yeah. that guy. You know what's HR After this podcast you call my hr department right. your saltwater guide i will answer the phone and i right. will explain it to you we've right. spent thousands and thousands of dollars on fuel chasing these stupid fish right and when you finally that, get you know it's funny too davis back when we were youngsters they didn't have rods and reels like this dude you wouldn't land stuff like this back in those days without throwing two or three rods in the water you know, right. yeah, they don't, they didn't have spectra. They didn't, we had Dacron, but that's, <laughs> you know, six I, yeah, six odd with a two to one gear ratio, you know, basically. And we yeah. were out there doing it every day, trying to do it just like we're trying doing to. today, but we didn't have, we didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of catching them. Now that we do, I can't even comprehend all this. Oh, I want to stand up in the rod. Oh, I want to hold no, the you ball. Don't. I want to fight. No, you don't. <laughs> Good luck. You yeah. ever love in mind? Yeah. You get a bite, kill that sucker. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You don't want to stand up. And if you do, hey, if there's a couple guys out there that can catch a couple 200 pounders standing up, hey, dude, the trophy's coming your way. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Me and my son one time on his 20 foot skipjack. We caught four or five over a hundred and we tore both his rod holders out of his skipjack, ripped them right out of the glass. Yeah. 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 Then you had to hold the rods. We had to hold them. Man. I, Cody, it's you're holding it this time, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Funny yeah. Stuff. Dad's way too smart nowadays <laughs> to hold that rod. Yeah. 
Gang, yeah. we're going to kick this thing. We've been going for an hour. I can't believe it went that long and that fast. But one more time, Marty, somebody out there needs you to come with them on their boat. So give Marty a call. Like I said, he's here for about a week and a half. Yep. 714-296-9474. And call, call him. You got more questions about what we talked about today. You just want to talk to a really cool guy who's totally sober and one of my really, really good friends. Whenever we see each other, it's just oh, like yeah. the old days. We're right oh, yeah. back there. Right, right. I love you, Marty. I want to thank you, you so hey, much thanks. for being on this show with me today. Right. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I hope you thank had a you, good buddy. time. God bless, man. Call. Thank you, buddy. Hey, everybody out there. Make sure you check out Opsin Floral Carbon. Thank you, Greg, for everything you do. Guys, go to Opsin USA or check out the QR code that I flash up on the screen here right now. Jump on there. We're going to give away another spool of line Monday. All you have to do is go over there and check out the store. Elliot can figure out who you are. The best way is go through that QR code right there and flash it on the screen. Those of you on Spotify, Megaphone, and Apple Podcasts, it's Opsin USA. Opsin USA. That's how you get there. Thank you, everybody, for the show today. Marty, thank you very, very much. We're gone. Thank you, you. Thank you buddy.